In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In the early morning, in the early hours of the afternoon, rather, a young mother crept quietly out of her home along the Mediterranean Sea, taking small steps at first to let her eyes adjust to the brightness of the day. As she walked, she noticed that her spirit, which had in recent weeks felt heavier than her own body, was becoming lighter and lighter with the crunch of each one of her steps. Each step carried her closer and therefore carried her daughter closer to salvation. The nightmare that had become their existence would finally be coming to an end. She had heard, of course, of the Jewish carpenter from Nazareth and had only fleetingly and a bit hopelessly hoped that he might make his way all the way up here to her Gentile territory, even though her mind told her that hers was an area despised and avoided by most Jews. She didn't care why he was here, but she knew she needed to find him because the love that she harbored for her child didn't give her any other choice. She would go because she had to give her daughter every chance she could, even if that meant begging a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth to help her. It was with these thoughts swirling around in her head and powering her steps that she approached the home rumored to house him. Each beat of her heart pounded in her ear as she not so patiently waited for him to appear. And when he finally did, she felt the thud of her knees hit the ground. And with that thud, she knew that this was her last chance. And she would give it everything she had to give. She heard herself telling this stranger the story of her life, the story of her daughter's life laying it all down in front of him. Every nightmare, every trauma, every pain. And she heard herself begging Finn for help and was shocked to hear a confidence and a strength in her voice that she didn't know she had. Which was why she was so shocked when he responded to her the way that he did. From what she had heard, he was better than that. But still, his words ripped right through her. Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Not only was he telling her that she was going to have to wait her turn, that her daughter was going to have to wait her turn, but he was calling her a dog. The word, more so than his intent to delay helping her, caused her to flinch because she knew full well that Jews thought of dogs as despicable creatures that were unclean and should be avoided at all costs. But this was her last chance. And so she stood up and looked him squarely in the eyes. Sir, she said, 
Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. In other words, sir, there is enough for the dogs. There is enough for me. There is enough for my daughter right now. Sir, do not ignore me. Do not put us off. You have enough to give. In this moment, this woman, this Gentile woman, sees Jesus for who he is in all of his fullness and in all of his power and in all of his potential. And she gives him and us a glimpse of just how deep and wide, just how inclusive and world-changing his ministry could be, just how unlimited his power was. And then rather than getting defensive, rather than protecting his position, his pride, and his ego, this Jesus showed the world what true power is by looking outside of himself and seeing the woman in front of him and allowing himself to be changed and penetrated by her words. And truly allowing himself to see not a dog, but a woman in all of her vulnerability and in all of her strength and all of her humanness. In seeing her heart, Jesus's own heart was moved and his ministry was subsequently transformed and magnified. And then after helping this woman, instead of returning to primarily Jewish territory, Jesus travels up through Sidon to the Decapolis to carry on ministering to Gentiles as well. His journey, his path, his ministry was redirected by a Gentile woman. Now, I'm not sure if this is actually what happened all those years ago when this Syrophoenician woman encountered this rather ordinary, ordinary Jesus. And there are so many things to explore in this reading alone. Questions of Jesus's incarnation, what that really means, the nature and character of God, whether we can change God's mind, just to name a few. Um, but we're not going to discuss those because we would be here for a very, very long time. But what I do want to point out is that this holy encounter between this Syrophoenician woman and Jesus sheds quite a bit of light on our relationship with God, even in the most nightmarish of situations. It sheds a bit of light on our relationship to one another, and it sheds a bit of light on our call as Christians in confronting the unjust powers that be. So first, I think our gospel reading for this morning calls us to a real and honest and unfiltered relationship with God. One that is grounded in the reality of our lives, in the reality of our questions. A relationship which does not hide the nightmares we are living through and which rests its hope on the fact that just as Jacob struggled with the angel of the Lord on the bank of a river and was changed, and just as the Syrophoenician woman this morning who struggled with Jesus entire was changed, or at least her life was changed, so too do we have the permission and the invitation to struggle with God. 
to struggle with God over those things which plague us, those things which keep us up at night, knowing that it's part of the journey and that we too will be changed. In a time when hope is running a bit thin and chaos threatens to overwhelm, we are invited to bring our whole selves, the whole of our lives, the whole of our brokenness, all of our worries, our anger, our fear and rage and skepticism to a God who is big enough to take it and is willing to hear it, to a God who has more than enough love more than enough grace, and more than enough care, and is willing to sit with us in the nightmares of our lives and help us face them. More than that, though, I think this reading calls us to a practice of advocating for one another before God and before the powers that be in our world. The needs of both the daughter and the deaf man with a speech impediment were addressed by Jesus because people took notice, because they took notice of those needs and brought them to Jesus. So we too are called to look for and notice the suffering of our fellow neighbors and do something about that suffering with our own words and actions. We are called to bring our needs and their needs to the very heart of God in our prayers. And we are called to stand before the powers that be in our world and demand change. Demand structures which provide for and empower all people, regardless of race, religion, creed, political ethnicity, political affiliation, rather, and ethnicity. And finally, we are called to listen to those who are advocating for themselves and for others with an open heart and with an open mind. In our reading this morning, Jesus transcends the human tendency to defend his ego and allows himself to be transformed by the humanness of the woman in front of him. His willingness to listen to this woman who is wholly different from himself his willingness to grow, his willingness to learn from her and see her in all of her humanness calls us to a similar and challenging, very challenging path, especially in a day and age when everything is so polarized. So when we fear that our world is too broken, when we are scared that nothing can be done to fix it, we must remember that Jesus shows us that this simple yet difficult action of truly seeing and listening to the other has the capacity to change the world for the better. He shows us that our willingness to look past labels to the heart of the other and the willingness to let the heart of the other move our own hearts to care and to act is, to one, of the way, is one of the ways we can change this world drastically. So while this gospel might leave us still asking a few questions and maybe perhaps feeling a bit uncomfortable, because of the Syrophoenician woman, these readings remind us that there is enough, enough of God's love, 
enough of God's care, enough of God's grace to go around. And they beckon us to a deeper, more real, more grounded relationship with God in the chaos of our lives and in the midst of our questions. They call us to a life of advocacy and to the practice of seeing the humanness of the other and letting that humanness transform our own. By engaging in these practices, we not only deepen our own relationship with God, but we build and spread the mission of God, the work of God. And just as Jesus did all those years ago, we too might find our ministries transformed and expanded and empowered to include more and more of God's children.